This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Nancy Twine, the founder and CEO of Briogeo Hair Care. And what I love about beauty is the freedom to really create yourself through your own individual approach and mindset. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. So glad to be back on Beauty is Your Business. This is Karen Moon, and I'm joined with my amazing co-host, Abby Wallach. Great to see you. Nancy, we're so excited to have you on the show. I feel like I've been stalking you for a while. Your story is like super interesting. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. So I know Nancy a bit, and I know she's humble and understated, so I think I'm going to brag about her just for a little bit. If you Google Briogeo, you'll find that Nancy is the leading authority in green beauty and the youngest African-American to launch a line at Sephora. She went from VP at Goldman Sachs to building a top-performing clean beauty brand at Sephora and just launched at over 1,200 doors in Ulta last week. So congratulations to you. Thank you so much. It's such an exciting time for the company and brand. We'd love to hear about the origin story, how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I didn't start my career in beauty. I started my career in finance. I graduated from the University of Virginia in 2007. I was a finance major. And during my last two summers of college, I actually interned at Goldman Sachs. And the summer before my senior year, I did an internship in the sales and trading program. So before I even got back to school, my senior year, I had a full-time offer from Goldman, which made senior year a lot of fun and a lot less stressful. And when I left UVA and started my full-time career at Goldman, it was the summer of 2007. And if you can recall, it was the start of a financial crisis with banks like Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers going out of business. There was a, a credit crisis. And I joined my team at Goldman in such a unique time. And in a lot of ways, it wasn't what I thought I was signing up for. But it was such an incredible opportunity to just, you know, learn so much beyond probably what I would have learned had it not been that challenging time. So I was, you know, acquiring all sorts of new skills, drinking from a fire hose, but it was a lot. It was stressful. I was doing well, but I knew deep down inside that I wasn't super passionate about the subject matter. And I knew that at some point I needed to kind of figure out what I was going to do next. But I left college with a lot of student loans, like a lot of students do. So I had an obligation to keep my day job so that I could you know, take care of all my responsibilities. Three years into my career at Goldman, unfortunately, I lost my mom suddenly in a car incident. And it was the first time that I had really lost someone so close to me. And I, I feel like it was the first time, too, that I... I guess I was very naive at, what, 25 years old, you know, just kind of thought that, you know, you kind of had your whole life ahead of you, which is true for a lot of people, but obviously not everyone. And it was just a time in which I started to do a lot of soul searching because I realized that, 
you know, life can be short. It's not promised to anyone. And we really owe it to ourselves to create our own happiness, whatever that may be. And, um, you know, at the time I was spending so much of my life working. And when you spend so much of your time doing something, it's important that that thing is something that, you know, fulfills you. So after that point, I really just made it a mission to figure out how I could align my career path with my passions. And at the time, I didn't really know what I was passionate about. You know, at 25, I was still discovering myself in a lot of ways. And I remember talking to a close friend who was very wise and told me that, you know, if you want to figure out what you're passionate about, put together a list of all the things that make you happy and go from there. So I did exactly that. And one of the things that was at the top of that list were childhood memories that I had with my mom. My mom was a doctor, a chemist, and we used to go to our local health food store and buy our own oils and extracts, salts, sugars, butters, and take them home and transform them in the kitchen to our own custom beauty products, all of which were created from clean, natural, single ingredients that we combined and turned into all sorts of things like hair care products, body care, skin care. So at a very young age, I learned that you could take ingredients from the earth and mix them together and create highly effective beauty products. And it was something that I really, really loved doing. And during the soul searching moment, I, you know, thought back to those memories, but not only that, I had realized that there was this shift that was starting to happen in personal care, which was, you know, very similar to what we were seeing in, in food with people becoming a lot more conscious about the types of foods and ingredients that they were eating. And then that started translating into personal care with people becoming a lot more savvy about reading ingredient lists, the links of certain ingredients to health concerns, et cetera. And so I kind of thought, I said, you know, if my mom and I were making these, you know, products several years later, we could have had, you know, an incredible business opportunity. And then ultimately that really kind of became the catalyst for me, just even thinking about starting my own clean beauty company. That's such a great story, Nancy. I loved hearing it. Thank you. Very, very inspiring. And I, I always love to meet entrepreneurs and founders who are on the finance side and then pivot into a different industry. It's very compelling. So now that you have your passion and things are moving fast and furious, you actually have beautiful hair, by the way. I'm oh, thank you're you. Using it. it looks very pretty. I mean, it's hard to get out for a blowout these days. So whatever you're doing, you're doing a great job. But, All three you know, <laughs> well, of course. So, you know, I'm curious to know now that you've launched at retail, what are the next steps for you? How are you going to manage that business? And it's an exciting time, but it's challenging with COVID. What, what's your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, well, you know, obviously so, so much has just happened in beauty, just in general, I would say, since I launched Briogeo back in 2013. Everything from, you know, the, the world of influencers and YouTube and social media. I mean, I remember when I, I launched Briogeo in 2013, I don't even know that we had an Instagram. 
And, you know, to launch a beauty brand now without Instagram just sounds kind of absurd. So, you know, similar to those dynamics, I think a lot has happened, you know, within the retail space as well, just in terms of, you know, the number of new incredible brands that are now at places like Sephora and Ulta. And it's just really been a beauty boom in a lot of ways. And, you know, obviously COVID has, has taken a toll on so many businesses in so many different ways, but we've been really grateful in that, you know, a few years back, we really started to invest um, in our direct-to-consumer infrastructure. So at the start of COVID, we were very much prepared to pivot that business to digital, and our partners were too, you know? I think, you know, Ulta was perhaps, I don't know if this is a fact, but I, I believe they were one of the first retailers to offer curbside pickup. And, you know, oftentimes it's it's challenging environments like COVID that really kind of force you to think about the world differently and how to really survive. And oftentimes some of the best ideas and just new innovative ways come from things like that. So luckily for us, you know, we've, we've partnered with very savvy retailers that were able to weather the transition from brick and mortar to digital at the inception of COVID. And, and likewise, our direct-to-consumer business was quite healthy and up and running to allow us to, to take advantage of that. But I'd also love to learn, Nancy, about how you guys think about product innovation, product development process. Because if you know, we kind of look back when you started Prestige, you know, there weren't that many hair care brands in the prestige space, and clearly you were early and clean, but also I think it's interesting your approach in looking at scalp. You know, as beauty junkies, we know that's been kind of a missed area. But you've kind of hit on these really interesting things early that are bigger trends now. And I'd say there's still a lot of white space. Yeah, it's a really great question. So I would say fundamentally at Briogeo, we think about innovation very differently. And I think part of that too, and I think this is true for a lot of companies where founders are at the helm, as a founder... I take every single thing that we do so personally, especially product development. And to date, Briogeo has never taken an off-the-shelf product. And for those of you that don't know what that means is, you know, oftentimes labs have their own chemist teams and they will create innovative products and then sell them or offer them to brands. And they kind of take these products that were created by someone else and then they put, you know, their branding and packaging with it to create a unique product. And that's never been part of Briogeo's methodology. We have a full in-house product development and regulatory team, which is you know pretty advanced, I would say, for a company of our size. And while we don't have our own chemists, you know, we partner with external chemists. We create all of our briefs in-house. I am heavily involved in every single product that's created. I personally try every single iteration of the product. Our team tries them. We have a whole team of um, kind of beauty experts that we partner with. So every single product that we make is literally our innovation. It's from scratch. It's totally unique. We're researching the ingredients. We're conducting our own clinical trial briefs. Like we own it top to bottom. And I think that that's something that really makes us unique. And also too, whenever you're extra thoughtful about anything it is you do, whether it's product development or designing your home, you know, the more hands-on you can be, the more thoughtful you can be about every single detail. 
in my opinion, the better result that you're going to have. So that's, that's what we really believe at Briogeo. And in 2007, we really became known as innovators in scalp care. We were one of the first, if not the first, prestige clean hair brand to launch a clinically proven scalp collection. And historically, you know, scalp care has been a bit of a taboo topic. It's not a really sexy <laughs> topic to talk about in beauty. Historically, too, most of the scalp care products were found on mass market shelves. So it was like, if you had a scalp problem, you had to go to you know, your drugstore and, and purchase a mass brand. And oftentimes, you didn't really have much of a choice in terms of what to choose from and the ingredient lists you were choosing from. And I knew that you know, scalp care and concerns is a much more prevalent topic than I think most people knew about. I personally have struggled with scalp issues in the past, and I've had to create my own products because I didn't believe in the ingredient lists of a, a lot of the products that were out there. And when I created Scalp Revival, I was really on a mission to not only create a clean, non-toxic scalp solution, but also one that was very efficacious. We were also one of the first, if not the first, hair care brand to use charcoal in our products a highly absorptive detoxifying ingredient that is so beneficial for really helping to remove buildup and bacteria, dirt, bad oil from the hair follicle in a way that regular shampoos can't. So we leveraged a plethora of scalp healthy ingredients, not only charcoal, but biotin, tea tree oil, peppermint, spearmint oils, hyaluronic acid. We did so much research and we partnered so closely with our chemists to make sure that we were creating a formula that was effective, innovative, and something that our clients would love. And it was really kind of one of the biggest milestones in Briogeo's innovation history. That's really great insight and definitely very valuable for our audience to learn about. So when you say that you work very closely with your chemists and your team, and I love that you, every single thing that you mm -hmm. create, you use on yourself, because of course you're the best judge, right? Mm -hmm. Of what you're comfortable packaging and selling. But are you focused on patenting these formulations or are they just trade secrets? Because that's always something in the industry that people are thoughtful. You know, they think about what can I own that no one else can have? Is that something, how do you think about that? Because I think that's an important conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I mentioned, all of our formulas are proprietary I know that there are a lot of legal considerations around patents in terms of specific technology. So even if you have a unique formula, it doesn't always qualify for a patent. Some that do are, you know, if you were to create a unique molecule, for example, and you were to take that unique molecule and incorporate it into a formula, if you're able to kind of prove certain criteria, that molecule may be patentable. So there's a lot of technicalities that are even, you know, beyond my my own kind of education as it relates to patents, which is why even though so many brands have proprietary formulas, they don't necessarily have a patent on them. Nancy, it's so interesting to hear about such a personal journey and development. What else makes Briogeo different? 
Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because I remember back in like 2010, 2011, when I first started business planning for Briogeo, I remember there was like a line item in my business plan. What makes Briogeo different? And I think it's really important that any company that really wants to be the best in their category and offer the client something that's truly terrific has to be different. You can't be like everyone else. So from the start, even before I launched Briogeo, I had a very clear vision on what was going to make us different. And the first one, you know, I alluded to a little earlier, which is our ingredient methodology. So I remember when I wrote the first brief for our first products to uh, my chemist team, and I had a list of what was some of the most commonly used ingredients in hair care that were linked to health concerns and environmental concerns. And I labeled that as our six free list. And some of those ingredients that were most commonly used were things like sulfates, silicones, parabens, phthalates, synthetic dyes, and DEA. And we have a very extensive list of ingredients, dozens and dozens and dozens, probably even hundreds that we never use in Briogeo products. But these six ones are really kind of the culprit. So we coined and, and trademarked the term six free, which is something that's consistent across every single Briogeo product. We're also a cruelty-free brand, and we're also certified cruelty-free. So it's one thing to say you're cruelty-free, but when you actually get a certification, there are all sorts of documents that we have to submit from our suppliers, from our raw material manufacturers that really certify the fact that what we're saying is true. So that's just a little tip, too, that when you're looking for brands, if they just say that they're vegan or say that they're cruelty-free, always making sure that there's that validation because there's work involved in, in certifying that. Another big thing that's been so important to me when creating Briogeo and, and something that certainly sets us apart is that we really think about hair care the same way we do skin care. Because I've always believed that if you treat your hair and your scalp the same way you would with a really great skin regimen, you're going to create the foundation for healthy, strong hair over time. And one of the things that we instituted at the inception of Briogeo is what we call a Nova Complex. NOVA stands for natural oils, vitamins, and antioxidants. So again, ingredients that you would typically find in skincare, we put inside of every single Briogeo product. So we really are that link between skincare and hair care. And then lastly, something that was so important to me because I've been fortunate, I was able to grow up around such a diverse group of friends. I never wanted Briogeo to just be about me. I never wanted Briogeo to only work for my hair type. I wanted Briogeo to be about everyone. So no matter your ethnicity, your background, your hair concern, I wanted to create a diverse assortment of products that met the needs of diverse hair care. But I also wanted to create a brand that everyone could identify with as their own. Because what I will say is that Within the spectrum of beauty categories, hair care historically has tended to be the most segregated category, you know, and I think it still exists in certain stores, you know, the ethnic hair care is in its own section. It's not with all the other hair care and it feels separated. It feels different. And even though we do have differences in our hair textures and types, 
It doesn't mean that we have to be isolated from a brand or felt left out. So for me, inclusivity was always so, so important. And it truly has been such a blessing to be able to see women that have coily hair texture types or wavy or totally straight say that don't despair a pair of deep conditioning mask is their holy grail. Like how cool is that? So it's something that I take a lot of pride in and I'm just really thrilled that we were you know, able to build and accomplish with Briogeo. What if you could tell your story, the story of your brand, your product, the compelling story of the sourcing of materials or ingredients, or even tips for getting the best use out of your products? What if you could engage your consumer, amplify their experience, or even improve conversion or initiate sales at points they don't usually happen? What if you could connect with your consumer wherever they happen to be, in the store, on your website, in the bathroom, or even on the go? What would that be worth to you? It's time you learned about StoryDot from Mouth Media Network. Short-form audio stories consumers can access with their smartphone, in brick-and-mortar locations, on physical product, or even embedded into your website. It's where commerce, advertising, and the consumer meet. Being competitive requires every advantage you can implement. So discover StoryDot today at www.storydot.com. That's www.storidot.com. I love that you're so inclusive. Do you do a lot of focus groups with the products and the formulations? How do you roll that out? Because that's such an important piece when you're trying to create for different types of hair. We're all different. So it's interesting to learn about what's your process and, you know, do you work with your friends in that process or do you go through schools? How do you tackle that? Yeah. So we, we have a network of kind of our VIP clients, our influencer network, beauty editors, friends. I know when I first started Briogeo, actually before we even launched our first four products, I had a little over a hundred different people test out the products and leave feedback in a very comprehensive survey before I finalized the formulas so that's something that's always been important to me. So just like, you know, I mentioned, Briogeo is not just for me, it's for everyone. That means that I can't just be the one testing the products, but we need to get different people of different hair types, different hair needs to really test the products, give feedback. We use that feedback to tweak and modify our formulas. We test again. So it's a very, very involved process. But what it means is every single time we launch a product, we feel super, super confident that we are giving the client the very best. That's super helpful to hear. And I love hearing outsiders from the industry come mm -hmm. in and do things well, but there are probably a lot of lessons learned, right? So I um, would love to know as you scale your business, and I've read that you went from zero to 10 million in four years, and now you're doing multiples of that. What were some of the key challenges and how did you overcome those? Yeah, I would say 
one of the biggest challenges starting out is that coming from finance into beauty, I just didn't have a network. And when I started building out my team, it was so challenging because I didn't know, you know, great social media talent or even product development people. It was really difficult as we were first starting the brand to attract the best talent because no one knew who Briogeo was. And so what happened was, you know, for many years, actually, I was kind of a woman of all trades. I mean, I was playing the CMO, the CFO, COO, head of sales role. I mean, I was doing it all. Now I have an incredible, incredible management team. But like thinking back, I'm like, gosh, how did I do all of that? And, you know, too, when when you're doing so much, it's hard to really kind of focus and accomplish as much as you would like because you're spread so, so thin. And so luckily, as Briogeo has really scaled and we've had a lot of success, we've had a lot of incredible talent proactively, you know, reaching out to us. We've been able to just really build such a phenomenal team that I'm so proud of, but it certainly didn't happen overnight. And it was very challenging, but we've, we've certainly have gotten to a point where, you know, I couldn't be prouder of the team that we have now. So I'm also curious to know, Nance, how, you know, with COVID, because I don't know, are you in New York? Where, where are you based? I'm in Philly currently. Yeah. So has it been challenging, you know, one of the conversations we've been having, how is everybody managing through this process? Because we're all sort of hunkered down after so, so, so many months, but we're trying to do business and, you know, stay the course as things start to evolve. So in terms of your team and moving forward, did you have to pivot at all? How have you been able to sustain and continue and grow and launch with the brand during this challenging time? Yeah. I mean, I think so many businesses were really forced to pivot in a way that was so unplanned. You know, back when I was at Goldman, I remember we had, you know, kind of business continuity planning. So we were always prepared for something like this. But, you know, at Briogeo, it's just not something that, you know, we had the resources to plan in advance for. So we were just, you know, pivoting on the fly. And one of the things that I'm just so grateful for is the level of technology that we have now that makes working remote pretty seamless because we transition quite seamlessly. And we've really relied on things like, you know, Zoom and Google Hangouts. We share documents pretty easily. So there are a lot of things that we were able to do in a way that weren't really disruptive, but there are some things that you just can't replicate when you're working in a virtual environment. We've actually brought on a lot of new talent during COVID, some of which I still haven't met in person. But I think you, you know, kind of forget about the value of that in-person connection, you know, sitting next to someone at work, you're kind of listening in on conversations, you know what people are working on, maybe you're getting creative ideas, you're finding synergies because you're just in the mix of the conversations, or, you know, you're going out to lunch with someone from a different division and you're talking about stuff that has nothing to do with work. So you're deepening your relationships and getting to know people better. So even though so much of what we're doing as a business has been seamless, there are a lot of qualitative things that have been a bit hindered. So I've been very mindful of connectivity. We've done a lot of virtual events at Briogeo. I've recently gotten pretty into meditation and 
I host a all hands meditation for the company twice a week. It's optional. We have some regulars that come twice a week or maybe once a week, but it's built a really nice community and has allowed people to really just take that break during their day because we're all so glued to our computers. And sometimes we even find ourselves working longer than we normally would because we don't have that same after work social life. So in some instances, you kind of, you know, lose track of time because of that. So I think the key is just being very, very thoughtful and intentional about creating those moments for people to get together, but also to, you know, take a break from work a bit and being fine with that and and actually encouraging it. That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) (laughs) The world has changed. Yeah, it really has. Sometimes with difficult situations, there's silver lining, right? Absolutely. Always have to look for the silver lining. The future has to be brighter than it is today. That's all I can say, right? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm optimistic. I mean, things like what occurred in the country this week are, are so disheartening and frustrating and cause so much anger. But, you know, I'm still remaining optimistic. I think there's going to be a lot of change in 2021, change towards progress. And that's kind of really what keeps me going. You have really no choice. You, in my opinion, I mean, you kind of have to be optimistic. So, Absolutely. And change is good. You know, when things look, there have been things in place for so long and they have to evolve. We're not living in the same world we were a year ago. Right. So hopefully it'll all be much brighter and lots of exciting things on many fronts in all categories, including beauty and the rest of the world, right? (laughs) I think something that we're doing different that I think also kind of just ties into this new environment that we're in is we're really focused on connectivity because we don't, in a lot of instances, have a lot of that in person anymore. You know, how are we able to virtually really deepen our relationships with the client virtually? And again, you know, necessity often warrants innovation and We've been coming up with some plans and ways that we can do more master classes, that we can, you know, give our clients consultations that perhaps may have taken place in store and doing that virtually and really just making sure that we are there for our client throughout her hair journey during COVID, post COVID, all of that. So we've just gotten a lot more intentional about ramping up our support on social media Because we do have a customer service team through email, but we get so many inquiries, so many questions about products, hair advice, all of that stuff through social. And we're just on a mission to make sure that we can be there for that client throughout the journey. So being able to really kind of leverage digital, Zoom, seeing our clients face-to-face, not just having those consultations through email or text or social media, but how do we get that FaceTime in? perhaps the same way that we would have in store, being able to see the client's hair, being able to visually show product techniques, I think is so important. So we're just really focused on making sure that we can offer quality connections, even in a virtual environment. That's so cool. I just, I think when I think about like salons and even like skincare and estheticians, those are kind of the two areas where it really is this relationship yeah. with your hair, you know, a stylist or esthetician. So it's interesting how the community organically 
kind of is wanting that from yes. the brands. That's really cool. Yeah. When you were speaking, I was thinking, do you focus a lot on the makeover category, you know, before and afters? Because that's always just a fun beauty where people show the before and after. It's always a great hook. Yeah, we do. We get a lot of before and after user generated content because we talk about this Briogeo hair journey. It's kind of like, you know, where you're starting out and where you hope to go with Briogeo. So being able to kind of capture that start of the journey using Briogeo products and really kind of monitoring the progress towards your result is a really kind of cool thing. I even do that sometimes, you know, when I'm using even, you know, a new skincare product, sometimes I'll snap a photo of my before and after. I'm not necessarily sharing it out, but it's a great way for me to kind of validate that, you know, hey, these products really work. So we certainly get a lot of that content through user generated on social media. Awesome. So up next, we're going to hit the pan with Nancy Twine. As we get to the bottom of our best, most favorite beauty products, we're going to get to the deeper layers of getting to know her as a person. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. And now, it's hitting the pan. So we're back, and now we're going to hit the pan with Nancy Twine to figure out who gets to ask her the first question. We're going to take a stand at the salon chair, and it lands on Abby. So I'm just thinking, Nance, like in this time of COVID, I know you shared that you do meditation. Tell us a little bit about your personal beauty care routine. What do you do for self-care? Yeah, I love that question. So I've certainly had a lot more time to dig into all my products. And anyone who is in the beauty industry probably has bins of beauty products the way that I do, because you go to all of these different, you know, award ceremonies and conferences. And I've literally had just so many products that I haven't even been able to use because I'd been so busy. So I have really dug into my beauty bins and I'm wearing less makeup day to day, really focusing on my skincare regimen. It used to be just at night, but now I'm doing an AM and PM skincare ritual And the same thing is true for my hair. I've always had a pretty good hair care ritual, but what's kind of fun now is that because of the flexibility of being at home, sometimes I will leave a hair mask in all day and I'll just have my hair up in a bun and no one has to know that I have a hair mask in because you can't really tell from Zoom. So I'm definitely letting my products sit longer, penetrate longer. I'm taking my time. 
definitely being intentional about staying active because we're sitting a lot in front of our computers. So getting those regular workouts in. I like to work out in the morning. By the end of the day, depending on the day, sometimes I'm just a bit exhausted. <laughs> so in the morning, I think is just the best way to really pump up those endorphins and get your blood and energy flowing. So that's really my my preference. And because I don't have to commute to work, it's a lot easier to get a full workout in during the morning. Cool. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so my question for you is, Actually, right before we get into the question, first I wanted to congratulate you on joining the CW board. I think we're really excited to have more indie beauty brand founders, and I just think that it brings in so much freshness and energy, and so I think that's awesome. Thank you. So my question's kind of related to that. It's such an interesting time to be a founder now versus 10 years ago. There's so many like communities, both within beauty, technology, chief, YPO. I wanted to just hear your personal experience in being a part of the entrepreneurial community, what recommendations do you have for other founders and indie beauty brands? Yeah, it's such a great question. And that that response certainly has evolved over the years. As I mentioned, you know, the first several years of Briogeo, I was so engrossed because I didn't have a team. So I had time for very, very little. And I got a lot of invitations to do networking things, join organizations, and so many of them I had to decline because I was so nervous about committing to something if I couldn't give it my all. And actually one example of that is um, YPO. I have a friend of mine who had been trying to get me to join YPO for years. And I was like, I can't, I can't, like, it's just way too much. The idea of it sounds overwhelming. And about a year and a half ago, I joined. Part of the reason why I joined too is because of my, my capacity to do so now that I have a full management team and just a really fully built out organization. I have the time to really engage and commit to the wonderful organizations like YPO, which has been such an exceptional resource to me. For those of you that don't know what what YPO is, YPO stands for Young Presidents Organization. It's an organization of male and female CEOs and presidents under the age of 45. And It's been an incredible network of people that have gone through so many of the things that I've gone through and that are able to offer real perspective. These are company operators, so they understand the struggles, the challenges, the opportunities. And then there's also so much just great programming to like learn and just develop as a leader, which I think is just so important to figure out how you can step outside of your company and lead. I think it's also important to just engage in things that are outside of your day-to-day to to really keep yourself sharp. I actually think in a lot of ways, if you're just so laser-focused on your company and that's it, it could actually be like a hindrance to like your broader ability to just grow and thrive. And I got to tell you, like every time I talk to someone about their business, I end up leaving that conversation with like so many ideas for Briogeo. So I really highly encourage that once you have the team and you have the capacity to commit to things like YPO and other organizations, there's so much benefit from it. So I I really highly encourage it. That's really good advice. I think that makes a ton of sense. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah. So one, I'm just so honored to be here to chat with you all about my journey. I mean, one of the things that I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to do outside of running Briogeo is being able to you know, inspire other people on their journeys. And 
you know, sometimes I get asked the question about, is it all just about hard work? Is it about luck? You know, what is it about? What's the secret sauce? But one of the things that I've come to learn is that so much of succeeding in anything you do, whether it's running your business or something else, is really all about your mindset. Obviously, you want to have a good idea. You want to have a viable business plan. All of that, sure, hard work is involved. Maybe there's a little bit of luck, but none of those things really matter or get you that far if you don't have the right mindset. So just staying positive, believing in yourself, even when you hit that roadblock, getting back up from it and continuing on is like more than half of the equation, in my opinion. So that's just one little encouraging tidbit that I would get give anyone who is aspiring towards something greater is to really work towards your mindset and, and building a personal practice that helps to support that, whatever that is for you, whether it's meditation, whether it's reading spiritual books, whether it's joining a community, do whatever you need to do to kind of keep yourself in that right mindset. And there's, there's so much you can do to really soar. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. It's like we always work out our body muscles, but never our like mental capacity. And Totally. You know, I love that. What's the best way for listeners to get in touch? Yeah, so I have been using Instagram a lot more these days. So you can follow me, you can DM me on Instagram at Nancy Twine, T-W-I-N-E, and I'd love to chat. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a super busy schedule, so we really appreciate you sharing your story with us and our listeners. So just really have a lot of gratitude for that. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you both. Thanks, Karen and Abby. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And thanks, Abby. We always have so much fun doing this together with you. Thanks for having me, Kara. And so great to meet you, Nancy. Thank you. Congrats on all, on all of your success. It's very exciting. Thank you and so much. And it's just much. the beginning. Sounds like there's a lot more yeah, to come. It's just the beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. Well, this is Karen Moon, and thanks for joining us on this episode of Beauty is Your Business. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. Hugs and kisses. This has been Beauty is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.